if my family is in the kitchen when I'm cooking, like it's already like maybe 35% more chaotic than I want it to be. Happy Valentine's Day, listeners and future callers. This is Dinner SOS, the show where we help you save dinner or whatever you're cooking. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious. And today, the show is getting sizzling hot. In the kitchen. Mind out of the gutter, folks. We begin today with a love story. Once upon a time in Washington, D.C., Serena met Connor. Serena grew up in a Jewish family just outside of Boston. Connor grew up on a ranch just outside of San Antonio. Serena learned how to cook with her parents. Connor taught himself to cook during the pandemic. Naturally, cooking became a bonding experience. So I learned a lot about him and his childhood and where he grew up and his family through things we've cooked. So he has a lot of amazing stories about what his mom made and what his dad, who likes to hunt in Texas, does. And so it really felt like a way to get to know him as we were starting to date. But Serena didn't just call us to tell us about her boyfriend and how great things are. Serena has started to notice something downright heartbreaking. In the seven months that we've been dating, we've yet to successfully find a recipe that allows us to really cook together. We've found that when we plan on doing that, one of us ends up pretty much doing all of the work and the other one maybe makes a cocktail or pours the wine or does some chopping. But when we sit down to eat, we haven't actually been able to have this experience together. Wow. Okay. So part of the thing for me with this issue is like the mental leap involved in me trying to imagine a world that I personally would be living in, in which like I want people in my house, like they're cooking with me. Generally, I think I've reached the point where I'm just like, everyone just keep out. Let me do my thing. I'm going to have my little glass of wine. I'm going to like practice a little bit of self-care while also making you ingrates dinner. And I'm so curious. So like you want to physically be cooking with your boyfriend, like two cutting boards, two knives, chopping in unison, like a little like Busby Berkeley kind of like dance routine every few minutes or so, like cooking together. Yes. And if you saw the size of my kitchen, then you really would be even more surprised. And how to ask this delicately, do you feel like there is like one of you is the natural leader in the kitchen? So funny that you asked that because that is part of the problem. Yes, I definitely am. And I don't know how to say this part delicately, but (laughs) I have slightly more experience and think my boyfriend's sitting next to me right now and he's laughing. But a lot of the times when we're cooking, I'm kind of standing over him saying, why did you cut the asparagus that way? Why didn't you let the pan heat up more? And so I feel that if we had good recipes that kind of each gave us a responsibility, then Uh I wouldn't have to be as much of a backseat chef to him. (laughs) It's funny. Sometimes I have a hard time letting go of being the teacher in the kitchen. So if I see you cutting up an onion in a kind of weird or even dangerous way, I may come over and adjust the position of your hands on the onion and the knife and your relationship to the cutting board and just kind of like actually step in and do it. So that's me. But Serena, are there some things you do in the kitchen that, you know, may kind of err on the side of judginess? 
one time, I think the first time we made chakshuka, he put oil in the pan when the pan was cold and then put shallots in it. And I was like, no, you can't do that. You have to heat the oil before you put the shallots in it. Or another time he was making gnocchi that had asparagus in it and didn't the ends of the asparagus off. And I was like, no, no, you really need to cut the ends of the asparagus off. And he's sitting next to me right now, like shaking his head that I'm admitting this to everybody. Or there are things that I do that my knives are never sharp and I don't really understand why you need a sharp knife when you're cooking and it drives him wild. But it's something that we're working on together. Honestly, if you can figure out how to cook together, I think you can probably conquer any other challenge that comes your way. So what do you two like to eat? We'll cook anything, we'll eat anything, and we love experimenting together. One more thing to add is we love spicy food and it's not something that we ever shy away from. And so I think I will definitely be inclined to pick a recipe if one is spicier than the other. Oh, that is fantastic. And is one of you like happier to use a knife while one of you is like happier to cook? We're both happy doing anything. As long as it feels like we're really contributing to the meal. Like meaningful. Yeah. Like you're not just picking herbs. Exactly. You're not like an intern at Noma. Like yeah. you get to do more than just make the fake beetle made out of compressed dehydrated beet or whatever. Right. Cool. Okay. Honestly, this is like a champagne problem. This is fantastic. I feel like there's a way to break up cooking tasks in a way that like makes sure both parties feel seen. You know, I have a couple of ideas in terms of the types of recipes that might be good for you two. And I really appreciate you calling in, Serena, and putting your faith in us. And until we get back to you, try to be kind to each other in the kitchen, okay? Uh, yes, will do. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to help Serena and Connor achieve relationship perfection in the kitchen, or at least just help prevent a breakup. And I knew that I could count on their love of spicy food to bring them together. So I called on a co-conspirator who's no stranger to heat. I really love the feeling of eating something very spicy and just not understanding what's happening in my surrounding for like a good five minutes. That's fun for me. Rachel Gerger is an associate food editor at BA. When Rachel and I got on the phone, our conversation immediately turned towards models of couples we'd seen in the kitchen, AKA our parents. My dad once had my mom overcook the pasta, you know, and then like basically yeah. never let her cook pasta again. And like, that was it. 40 years went by. There were no do-overs on that one. In my family, like my mom cooked majority of the food and my dad cooked once in a while, like special things. Because my mom's vegetarian. So if my dad wanted to say make chicken curry, he would, you know, kind of take over and uh, destroy the kitchen. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a good curry at the end. So it was very Oh, I love that. So back to Serena. Here's the kicker, Rachel. Yeah. They love spicy food. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like sky's the limit here. What I'm just thinking of, like, you know, what kind of recipe lends itself to just, like, peaceful cohabitation of the kitchen space? I feel like recipes with, like, two strong components where the dish would be extremely incomplete without the other. Like, both the things are the stars of the show. With Rachel on board, I started to brainstorm what a relationship could look like in the kitchen. After the break, not one, not two, but four hot takes on what Serena and Connor should cook together.
Welcome back to Dinner SOS. After some scheming, Rachel and I called Serena back, and Connor joined us too. So the download that I got from Chris was that you both love flavor, you aren't afraid of spice, and you're also willing to, you know, be adventurous and go the extra mile. And I am going to recommend my own recipe <laughs> because I know it's a delicious it's a strong one. Strong <laughs> opening move. I love it. Okay, keep going. So it is my vada pav recipe with a dry coconut garlic chutney and some fried chilies. This recipe is big on flavor. It has quite a few components that are very important. And the recipe would not be complete without them. You would definitely feel like something is missing if you decided to skip on one part. And it is also forward on spices. So you have the vada part, which is this deep fried potato patty. But it's not just boiled potatoes, right? Like you need to boil the potatoes, you need to peel the potatoes, and you mix that with mustard seeds mm. and some turmeric, some chili, some ginger, lime juice. And then you need to make a batter to deep fry it. And then the batter is a chickpea flour batter. You make these patties and then you dip them in this batter and you deep fry them and you get all these like crispy scraggly bits, which are very important for the chutney as well, which I'll get to next. You did this in video, right? I did do this in yeah. video. So if anyone's looking to cook along, we can drop a link in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> And then you have this like coconut garlic chutney, which is essentially toasted shredded coconut put in a food processor with some garlic and some salt and uh, chili powder. And then all of those scraggly bits that are left behind in the fryer, you mix that with the chutney. So it's like coconutty and crispy and spicy and garlicky. And you use the garlic peels too. So you don't even need to peel the garlic. It adds texture and garlic skins are totally edible. And this is my... My, I guess, controversial opinion. <laughs> that is controversial. Yes. I'm on the fence about that. I'll make you some crispy garlic. <laughs> okay. All right. And uh, then you have fried chilies. So you take whole Thai chilies, you, you know, put a little slit in it and you deep fry them till the outside is really nice and blistered. And then you immediately remove it from the oil and hit it with a little bit of salt. And you serve all of this over a pav, which are really hard to get in the United States. But after trying many, many buns, I landed on a Kaiser roll because, <laughs> you know, Kaiser rolls have this like savory quality to them. They're quite like light and airy. And they're very neutral. Yes. Right. Unlike a potato bun that has this like very strong kind of inherent flavor, like a Kaiser roll is very like beige, but not in a bad way. It's just kind of a blank canvas. Yes. So the Kaiser roll is fluffy. It is sturdy enough to hold the potato patty in place. And it just goes really well with everything. And it's a good substitute for the original Mumbai Pao. Mm, that sounds amazing. Do you want to share your other idea? I realize I've picked two deep fried recipes, but it's the <laughs> masala fried chicken by Chef Chintan Pandya. Oh. He, yes owns many restaurants in New York and his food is fabulous. So we basically have a classic fried chicken, but with Indian flavors. So again, a recipe with quite a few components where you need to make the dry rub, you need to make the wet coating situation. Is it a buttermilk brine for that? Or is it like a yogurt marinade? It is a yogurt, okay. yes. And then you have the spice mix, which you have to make if you want to experience like his version of a fried chicken. And Serena, 
Chintan, Connor, I don't know if you've perhaps had the opportunity to go to one of Chintan's restaurants. He opened Rowdy Rooster, which is his fried chicken kind of concept in Manhattan. He came to the test kitchen years ago and made a kind of early prototype of this for us, just as like a fun, friendly chef visit. It was mind-blowing. And I'm not surprised at all that it ultimately became like the anchoring dish at this restaurant, Rowdy Rooster, which is just so fun. I'm furiously taking notes of restaurant recommendations for New York now. Well, I mean, I guess I might as well present my ideas. It was interesting. So Rachel's weigh-in was like, showcase a recipe that has multiple strong components. And in my mind, it was kind of like, oh, what is a type of recipe that's going to involve not too long a cook time, but like a little bit heavier on prep time? And I, my brain went right to stir fry. Everybody gets a knife. Everybody gets a cutting board. <laughs> Connor gets his like razor sharp knives that can split atoms. And so I have two recipes and I never do this. They're both my recipes, but I, they were just top of mind. And here we go. The first one is fresh pepper Kung Pao chicken. And what I like about this is there's not too much prep, but you've got a very simple marinade on boneless, skinless chicken breasts, a little bit of Shaoxing wine, soy sauce, cornstarch. And then the stir fry itself, you know, there's a sauce, rice vinegar, soy sauce, a little bit of sugar, pretty simple. The other ingredients, you know, I'm also using some whole dried chilies in here. Once they're fried, they add such texture and allow you to tailor the heat perfectly to your own taste buds. Some scallion, Fresno chili, fresh ginger, garlic, Szechuan peppercorn, which is clutch. And I know, Serena, it's you perhaps who is allergic to peanuts. There is peanut in this recipe, but you could sub with cashews and be totally golden. What I like about this is there's something for everybody to do. You know, one person could be chopping scallions, chilies, another person prepping ginger, garlic. And then the actual cooking process, it's not like both of you like hunched over the stove for two hours or anything. This is like a fast stir fry, very streamlined. I like that the fresh pepper gives you some bulk to kind of round out the heat and then the chicken here. So that was kind of our embellishment for this one. The next one, weeknight mapo tofu with ground pork. And in terms of, again, the prep list, there's not tons of stuff to do here, but this is kind of something with like fairly accessible ingredients and using ground pork to really ground the dish and then using silken tofu as this wonderful, supple kind of form of protein that just acts as this like wonderful negative space for this highly seasoned ground pork and Szechuan peppercorn mixture. These are both recipes that are makeable relatively quickly and I think gives everybody a project and makes everybody feel seen. <laughs> Chris and Rachel, I'm already imagining multiple cutting boards coming out for any of these recipes. <laughs> yes. And honestly, I, I just want to reiterate, I think it's cool that you are looking for ways to like share the space equally in the kitchen. And nothing says Valentine's Day, like, you know, getting the chili sweats together <laughs> <laughs> and having fiery garlic breath. <laughs> Connor's rule of thumb when he's cooking with garlic is to take however much the recipe has suggested and then quadruple that. So anything with lots of garlic is great for us. <laughs> great rule. <laughs> so we are wishing you best of luck in your cooking together. Any questions, please reach out. Cannot wait to hear how it goes. We're excited to get cooking. Thank you both so much. Bye. Thanks, Chris and Rachel. With four recipes to choose from, I think we'll have Serena and Connor feeling the heat and the love in the kitchen. After the break, we'll find out all about their Valentine's feast. 
Welcome back. The fact that both of you are on the call, I feel like has to be a good sign, right? (laughs) When we finished making our recipe, I said to Connor that now I feel like we can cook anything. So I feel like we're in a really good place. (laughs) That is awesome to hear. I mean, let's just get into it, right? I heard there is a voice memo of you cooking the dish that shall reveal all. Get ready, Chris. We're getting ready to start cooking, and our first step, since Chris called this dinner emergency a champagne problem, is to open a bottle of champagne, because nothing goes better with champagne than... Fried chicken. Yes. (laughs) Oh, wow. Masala fried chicken with bubbles is inspired. Rachel, what's your take? I think you guys made the right choice. (laughs) Well, obviously, you think they made the right choice with the dish. I'm talking about champagne, really spicy fried chicken. It could work, yeah. It works, It works, it works. Before we continue, Rachel, will you walk us through how to make Chef Chintan Pandya's masala fried chicken? Sure. So the first step is to make the marinade. You blend some ginger, garlic, white vinegar, and water, and then you add some yogurt and spices. Make sure you coat the chicken in this marinade and chill for at least four hours, but preferably overnight. Next up, frying. First, make the spice mix out of Kashmiri red chili powder, chaat masala, amshur powder, and some black pepper. Then heat your oil and get your frying station ready. Dredge your chicken in a mixture of potato starch and flour and fry until lightly golden brown and crispy around the edges. When all the chicken is fried, Transfer it to a large bowl and generously sprinkle it with the spice mixture, tossing until it's all well-coated. Finally, serve and enjoy. You did the right thing, cracked open a bottle of something, and you made an event of it. Walk us through, how did it go? It went really well. It was really easy to create separate rolls for ourselves. We started making the marinade on Saturday morning, and that actually lent itself really well to having two different rolls. And then the actual frying process, one of us could own the dredging and the flour, and the other one could own the frying. And so it was a great recipe to make together. Neither of us had ever deep fried anything before. And now I really feel like we can fry anything. And Connor has a long list of all of these things he wants us to fry together now. Yeah, it was fun to, in the process of doing this together, also learn something new. Mm -hmm. Any issues sourcing ingredients for this one? Did you have to take a special trip? So finding some of the spices for the masala fried chicken was definitely difficult, but we ended up finding a small Indian spices store that only takes Venmo for payment (laughs) and were able to procure the needed ingredients. In fact, they had run out of their chaat masala, but the proprietor ran back to her kitchen and got me a Ziploc bag of some. Just enough to do the recipe so we could do it. I love that. And I think this is the exact reason why I try to always recommend recipes that use ingredients that you haven't used before and might take a little extra effort to source because then it leads you to have these awesome experiences and meet new people. Yeah, it kind of becomes part of the story of making the thing itself. You know, like having to take a special trip sometimes. Like when you have the space and the, the time and the wherewithal to do that. It's really satisfying. And for everyone out there, you know, these are not like wildly esoteric ingredients or anything. Rachel's like shaking her head, you know, but (laughs) I mean, cashmere chili powder, it's like a very fine powder, very bright red. Yes. Almost like the consistency of paprika, but with very distinct heat to it. Rachel, what else is in there? 
There's amchur and amchur is raw dried mango powder. So it brings this really like tangy, deep, umami level of flavor. And it's in the chaat masala as well, right? Yes, there is some amchur and chaat masala too. Again, like chaat masala recipes differ, but uh-huh, yeah. you know, the ones that you buy in store, there is some amchur in it. Yeah. You know, there's always this tipping point for us as recipe developers, the situations in which we'll comfortably call for one of these ingredients, you know, because like there just isn't any kind of substitute for them, right? And they're worth making an argument for why people should be seeking them out. You know, and I think sometimes where people have pushed back in the past around sourcing a specialty ingredient is around, well, what am I supposed to do with the rest of this, right? But like chaat is such a phenomenal, versatile ingredient. Yeah, absolutely. You could rim your cocktail glasses with it. So if you happen to make like any tropical fruit-based cocktail, it's like our tahine. <laughs> you could <laughs> oh, put it on fruit. Yeah, that like kind of like citric acid, chili, salt kind yeah. of mixture you see in some yeah. grocery stores. I know we're like kind of waxing on, but like point being like you chose the recipe with probably the most ambitious ingredient list in terms of requiring, you know, a couple of stops and hats off to you both. Now, in terms of, okay, division of labor was okay. Everybody got to participate. Connor got to use his knife to cut up the chicken, right? I did. He started this process by sharpening my knives. So that was really step one. (laughs) Connor, you sharpened her knives. I did. I got one of those mobile sharpeners you kind of put on the edge of the counter. I just Uh gave him a quick sharpen and it really helped out with the chicken. That's for sure. Amazing. And um, any issues come up? Any friction? There's a debate over who knows how to operate a food processor better. Connor took him some time to figure out how to use it. He says it's because my food processor is really old. I think he just isn't familiar with using one. But that, that was about it. <laughs> we made it through that and ended up really in a, in a great place. We had fun the next day, inspired by the rowdy rooster. We used the leftovers to make fried chicken sandwiches. <sighs> Nice. And we got Brooklyn Deli chutney and we made a yogurt sauce and we got like different types of kraut and made sandwiches the next day. And what did you serve it with that night with the champagne? Nothing. We just Nothing. Had you just sat there and, and pounded champagne and ate really spicy fried chicken. Yeah, we realized that we should have asked for recommendations. And when you Google what should you serve with masala fried chicken, nothing comes up. (laughs) You were blazing your own path, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, you made it through the food processor thing. And honestly, for what it's worth, it's complicated. Connor, I'm feeling your pain on this one. Thanks, Chris. I have a mini one in my apartment that just is a push to go. So that's yeah, what I was used to. Exactly. So I, I appreciate the sympathy. Oh, big time. Plus, you sharpened her knives for her. I don't think I've ever sharpened anybody's knives for them. Anywho, I wish you both the absolute best in your future cooking endeavors. And you both, I guess, stumbled onto the eternal truth that fried food and champagne equals a higher place. <laughs> yeah, a better place for all of us. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks, Chris and Rachel. All right. Thank you both. Happy cooking. So we gave Serena and Connor a new way to spend time in the kitchen together. But this was just an add-on to their already spicy traditions. When we travel without each other, like souvenir for each other is a hot sauce from every country we go to. And some of them have been pretty lethal. What was the hottest hot sauce from your travels? 
I actually bought her a habanero hot sauce from the Mexico City airport. I figured from the airport it wouldn't be that hot, but it was pretty good. If you have a dinner emergency on your hands, write to us at dinnersos at bonappetit.com or leave us a voice message at 212-286-SOS1. That's 212-286-7071. We spend a lot of time on the show talking about future cooking endeavors. But what about all the things that have gone wrong along the way? What about the ugly side of the kitchen? The time you completely forgot about the chicken and burnt it to a crisp? The time you simply weren't happy with the way your pasta came out? We want to hear about your true disasters. What is the worst thing you've ever made? And what are you looking to improve based on that experience? Or what do you just want to never, ever happen again? Please write to us. We want to hear about it. You can find the recipes featured on today's episode, the Vatapav Masala Fried Chicken, Weeknight Mapo Tofu, and Fresh Pepper Kung Pao Chicken, plus the rest of the Bon Appetit recipe archive on the new Epicurious app brought to you by Condé Nast. Just search Epicurious in the App Store and download today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice and hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Dinner SOS is a Condé Nast Entertainment original podcast. I'm your host, Chris Morocco. My co-host this week is Rachel Gerger. Our producer is Michelle O'Brien. Peyton Hayes is our associate producer. Leah Kasher is our assistant producer. Jake Loomis is our studio engineer. Amar Lal makes this episode. We'll be taking a couple of weeks off from releasing regular episodes, but keep an eye on the feed for another mailbag and bonus episodes. It looks like that meme that you look at it and it's like golden retriever puppies or fried chicken. That's how perfect our fried chicken looks right now. It's amazing. We're so happy with it.